Hello, Vosebo. Ni hao. Welcome to Planet of the Climates. POTK is a climate owl podcast, bringing you the latest information and insight into the world of climate action. Klima is a blockchain protocol backed by carbon credits that gives people a chance to fight climate change as a collective. My name is Phaedrus, and I'll be your host on this adventure. I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Rekuman. Today, we're sitting down with Rex St. John, one of the founders of ReFi Summit. Let's jump right into it. So today we're sitting down with Rex St. John, one of the founders and organizers of ReFi Summit coming up May 24th and 25th in Seattle. If you haven't heard about it, ReFi Summit is the largest standalone Web3 and climate and energy and governance summit in North America. Thanks for joining us, Rex. Thank you. Why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you know yourself, your background. I mean, I spent the last 15 years, I was a self-taught software engineer, and then I built global ecosystems at Intel, ARM, and NVIDIA before I quit NVIDIA to join Web3. And one of my first Web3 projects was the ReFi Summit here in Seattle. And I also work at a company called Saga. I run the developer ecosystem there, and we do infrastructure and tools for Web3 games, entertainment, DeFi, metaverse. So I got a lot going on. Wow. Wow. Yeah, a lot of different hats. You know, you said you left uh, NVIDIA there. What got you into Web3 and blockchain? And what was that uh, lead in? How'd you get into that? I started looking at the Web3 ecosystem when I was running the NVIDIA Jetson software ecosystem. And some of the first projects I talked to were projects like Akash Network and Flux and Regen Network. And I just kept running into projects from the Cosmos ecosystem. And it just reminded me, I used to be at the Intel Maker and Innovator Group. The Web3 feeling felt like the maker movement at the time. And I'm like a developer relations person, you know, it's like, I don't create the energy. I follow the energy. It's like, and I'm following the most creative and innovative people. And that's web three had them all. So I want, like, I, I had to go into web three <laughs> for that reason. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Just following the energy there. You know, a lot of people actually, when they get into web three, right? Not many actually dive deep into refi. I'm just really curious like, what made you actually dive into this particular space itself. Like I'm in Seattle, you know, I was looking around and I was like, Hey, you know, I've been to Austin, I've been to East Denver and how come an event that scale hasn't happened in Seattle for crypto or web three. And I, I started thinking about it and I'm like, you know, I think it's just the consistency and the on the ground leadership. So I'm like, you know, maybe if Seattle doesn't have an event that scale, it's just cause like somebody like me didn't come along and, and like or try and organize it and stick to it. So I want to do something in Web3 in Seattle from an event perspective that was different and new. And if it kind of felt like things like DeFi had already mostly run their course. It felt like I was talking to the ReFi DAO people and they turned me on to ReFi and, and uh, the Regen network. And my method is, you know, I start a Twitter list and I just start watching a space to see like what's going to go on because, you know, that's what I do. I build ecosystems with thousands of companies. So I just started building up a list of refi people and I found myself adding to it every single week, like new ones I never heard of. And I stopped at like over 300 and I was like, what is going on here? This is ridiculous. Like this is just nonstop and it continues to grow like that. So for me, it's like, you know, if, if it, what, when I see those qualitative signals that something is really, really working and has continued to be that way, every crypto event, I'm like this, you know, I, I've learned to pay attention to those signals. And ReFi has all the 
I think it's a cultural movement. I think the first few stages of crypto, you know, Bitcoin like figured out, you know, like how do you have these, you know, coins you can send back and forth and are super secure and all these things. You can put a trillion dollars onto a thumb drive and just like walk, you know, carry it with you in your pocket. And then Ethereum made added a bunch of refinements to it, like programmatic layers and computation layers. And then when it comes to what's next, the future is going to be all governance. And I think it's going to be all human coordination. So it felt to me like refi is taking the torch forward where it's like after Bitcoin, after Ethereum, what comes next? And it's this human centric, higher motivation thing that that's moving web three forward. And, and I think refi has it. I think refi is, it feels like the next stage of crypto to me in many ways. I see, I see. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, this is a stage where we start to see the power of blockchain and what can we use it for. And this is where I feel that the intersects with the greater good in the sense where you can use technology to do greater good against, like, for example, in this scenario, fighting against climate change or try to work towards climate change. And I think that's something really amazing. And I'm really excited and honored to be talking to you because as one of the owners and co-founders of Refi Summit, this is something that anyone in the Refi space look forward to. But I really want to hear you sharing a little bit more, like what's the objective of it? Like why another Refi uh, event happening? Like, I was watching this talk by Peter Thiel about like how he picks which markets to invest in. He looks for areas where there's like a religious movement there. Because if you have like a religious element to it or a higher good, people will, the most talented people will work on it for free. And as a venture capitalist, it's like, like you actually don't want to have to pay for the core infrastructure. Like you wish like people would voluntarily do that. I think Bitcoin had that and has that. Ethereum had that and has that. And I think clearly refi has that. So like from that perspective. Uh, So why another refi event? I mean, at the time, we planned refi summit. I think it was the first time after COVID when people ever could have met each other in person. Like there's a lot of people like during COVID, like I think a lot of people's networks, community career fell off. I know mine did. And people came out of COVID and they're like, uh, I'm not doing this anymore. You know, like that sucked. Like my life, I've changed. I'm not doing this. Like I don't talk to people I used to talk to anymore. Like everybody changed. But Refi Summit was the first time a lot of these people in Refi were able to physically meet each other and have a conversation off of Twitter. So uh, as an organizer, like I hope everything that I do is transformational. So the first Refi Summit I felt was transformational because like it, it built all those in-person connections. This time is going to be a little different, but the goal of the first Refi Summit was, I think, be transformational by providing a place at a time to be an offsite for this refi movement where they could get together. And we definitely did that the first time. I had multiple people tell me that that event changed their life. This time it's going to be a little different. <laughs> wow. I'm very happy to hear that. Before I dive a little bit deeper on the event, I'd like to backtrack a little bit. How far do you think we are where you feel that refi will be having the real impact I think all the tokenization stuff is super interesting. I think what Klima did was revolutionary. The more I learned about Klima, like what Klima did should be taught as like a case study in like every business school, because what they did was they took this market of these carbon offsets and they kind of bootstrapped liquidity and made it so you could trade in small incremental amounts anywhere in the world, like this open marketplace for these carbon offsets. 
you can't take that away from what Klima's impact was. It just seems like something that should be like in a movie. The more I thought about what Klima did, like the more fascinating it is. If you look at it from like the 200 IQ perspective, you're like, well, what do they do? They're like, well, they defragmented in a liquid market and enabled price discovery on a super critical asset that's backing, I think, uh, over a trillion dollars of carbon offsets. Like, I don't know if that's all accountable by clean up, but they made this liquid for the first time and they disrupted that whole industry. There's so many lessons there. And if you look at it, why just carbon offsets? Like in the 1980s, the things to do was like a, a hostile takeover of a company. It's like you do a leverage buyout. You find an unperforming company and then you do all this magical financial nonsense and then somehow you buy it and then like reform it and restructure it and make it productive. And I'm like, well, that's what Klima did to the carbon offset market. It's like you you found a technique to reform an ineffective market. And then once you look around, you're like, oh, there's ineffective markets everywhere. There's like water, trees, gazelles, elephants. You know, it's like it's like you it's like it could work for carbon offsets. It could work for all kinds of things, bricks. I don't know houses. And then you start running the math. You're like, there's a hundred trillion dollar annual GDP. It's like then you start to see these broken markets everywhere. You start to wonder, like maybe refi can spread all kinds of places. So definitely, you know, shining a light on some of those market inefficiencies, you know, in your mind, that's uh, the sort of thing that's going to be in textbooks or should be taught. And maybe just flipping the other side of the coin then for this last year and a half, two years, what still needs to change? Like, what have we learned that we need to do differently, perhaps? Or, you know, what are the big outstanding issues that we really have, you know, barely scratched the surface on so far? I've been lucky enough, you know, like the way I did Refi Summit is like I had a newborn baby that was like sleeping. And I just had my phone and like, I just connected to people one-on-one on Twitter and I just did phone calls like while holding a baby. And I posted a picture of like how I did the last year with like this baby sleeping on me. That's not a joke. Like that's literally what I was doing with Refi Summit. So after talking to all these people and gathering all this information, I created this article where I tried to organize everything I was seeing into a framework with three layers. The core thesis, the high level, you can find it on my medium, was that there's too many projects that are undertaking what I call the full vertical slice. And by vertical slice, I mean the bottom layer is finding the asset, acquiring the asset, putting the legal framework in place to like automate the asset and tokenize the asset. So that's like the tokenization and acquisition layer. Then above that, there's standards and policy. And then above that, there's human coordination governance. And for refi to work, you have to have all three. You got to go find the carbon offset, okay, and then standardize it and tokenize it. The next layer, get Vera and Gold Standard to agree. Everyone agrees on how you do this. You can't actually impact and deliver value to the asset unless you have human coordination and governance and, you know, people that actually do stuff with the two underlying layers. So when I looked across ReFi, I saw that everywhere. I'm like, okay, well, my point was ReFi is a fundamentally real-world assets-based business. It's all about, I don't know if it's a business movement. So you have to be able to tokenize stuff and make the markets liquid, and then you have to standardize it, and then you have to actually do something to conserve it. So, you know, I look at things like Centrifuge and and other projects that like are working on these tokenization and standards. So I think that being able to come up with this framework was super interesting. And, And like, I think to be effective, like you have to get all three pieces working together and the carbon offsets are by far the most advanced, but like, you know, why not water? Why not all kinds of stuff, plastic? Why not everything? all three layers have to happen in each area. So that was my takeaway is we have to have all three. Yeah. 
So you're talking about a lot of coordination issues there. And I'm curious, I know we, you and I had a chat not too long ago too. You're talking about, you know, governance and, and this idea that's, you know, bouncing out there now or, you know, maybe picking up some momentum. That's a network state idea. What do you think about, you know, is there potential there for like a refi network state? Just rewinding, like I did this project at Intel like almost 10 years ago. I was in the maker and innovator group. And I was trying to figure out what to do with the Intel Movidius, Intel Jewel, Intel Edison. And I was involved in the product development of the Intel Jewel. It was like this high performance embedded compute module for edge AI and robotics. So what I did was I interviewed the 50 different CTOs of small, high potential startups, and they gave me all this data. And then I remember I looked at all this data and I was like, okay, this is super fascinating. It's like, this is what the most intelligent people in the world are thinking is the future. And five years later, absolutely everything, even 10 years later, absolutely everything they told me came true. And I was like, well, that's such an insight because it's like, I didn't know that I had a time machine that went into the future for 10 years just by asking the 50 CTOs. And I think that trick works everywhere. Like you just talk to the smartest technical founders and they'll tell you exactly what is going to happen 10 years from now. So when I went to East Denver and I go to these events and I talk to people and I listen to what they have to say, I keep hearing, I don't have a home. I don't have a country. I'm totally independent. I just travel. I go to 60 crypto events and I hear it over and over and over again. I'm like, oh, that's fascinating. Like there's this whole class of people that have totally unplugged and they come to the crypto events and that's their country. That's where they meet their community and their people and they don't have a house and they just travel. And I'm like, this segment of people, I, I bet it's just going to grow and grow and grow. But those people, they clearly have needs. I mean, the crypto conferences are giving them something and it's not about the money. It's about this decentralized community. This is providing people with something that they're not getting anywhere else. So I think the groundwork is there for network states. I, I do believe something like that can come out of these events. And I think what I learned about how Cosmos is structured, if you're not familiar, it's a, it's a collection of independent projects that all run their own chains and have their own code. But then they're all interconnected with this layer called inter-blockchain communication. And if you go to map of zones, you can see this hive of projects that are linked together and talking to each other. And they've got tens of millions of dollars, billions of dollars flowing through it. And the way Amazon is constructed, it's like a set of independent teams. Like they deliberately silo the teams so that they can move independently like startups. And I'm like, I think Amazon is the last stage of corporate development. Like Amazon is the last era of large corporations. I don't think if any anyone's going to build skyscrapers anymore, and I don't know why people would ever build companies with 100,000 people anymore. You build something like Cosmos. I called it a federated ecosystem. You take Amazon, you break those teams into pieces, and they can interact with IBC, and uh, that's the next stage. You know, I, I think corporations will break apart, and I think countries will break apart like that. Let's switch gears a little bit and actually talk really more about Refi Summit. You mentioned about this coming up will be slightly different, right? So maybe you can share with the listeners what are the key themes and probably topics that you know attendees can expect to explore. So last year, I started doing an exercise with myself. I'm a really big fan of something called future authoring. Like this is a concept that Jordan Peterson has advanced. And it's this idea that you could like literally sit down and write the script for what the future is is so here's what i thought would would happen i thought that this year refi would move into a very developer focused phase where people are offering apis like programmable carbon and maybe smart objects things like dynamic nfts representing carbon offsets and i thought that 
before refi could percolate into the broader industry, it would need to have this programmability layer, you know, for renewable energy credits and all this. Cause I just felt like all this stuff wants to be an API that I could call, you know, like, so I can offset my carbon or, or water impact or whatever. So I thought that refi summit this year would have a lot more hands-on workshops. So we do have a Filecoin green workshop, like a hands-on workshop, but we do have a workshop with endowment. They've got APIs for charitable giving to nonprofits. So we do have that. So the, so the thing that has changed and is that we're adding more hands-on stuff to this. And I think we also put the invite out to Klima to potentially run a workshop. I thought that would be the, the big theme this year. And then next year, I think it's going to be all democracy innovation, <laughs> but we don't have to get into that now. So actually, one of the things that I actually was really uh, excited to hear as well was that one of our core team members, Gabriel, also known as Sai, is going to be there as well. Maybe you can share a little bit more, like, you know, who are the big shots, who are the keynote speakers so that people can get excited about the event. This week, we've landed Celo, Polygon, and Solana. Cello, super grateful to them. They've sponsored our evening reception and they've also sponsored a event we're calling Spectrum, which is going to be like a community organized event on the second day. Polygon's head of sustainability will be coming. The Solana Foundation has offered to help support the event, so that's been super appreciated. Owaki, co-founder of Gitcoin and of Super Modular is going to be our keynote, which is super, you know, I think previews of coming attractions. I do think human coordination is going to be the number one topic the next year, in my opinion. We've got Brianna Wells from Renium. She's a former carbon trader and then she founded this renewable energy credit NFT project called Renium. We're going to have an energy panel. I think while carbon offsets get worked out with Vera and Gold Standards, I do think renewable energy credits are having a nice moment between Jasmine Energy and Renium. So we're going to have an energy panel with Nathalie, who's the CEO of Jasmine Energy. We're going to have Dr. Alan Ransell, who's a creator of Falcon Green, and then Brianna on that panel. And I think we're getting somebody from the Solar Foundation. Super exciting. We've got Hedera's head of policy. We'll probably have a policy panel. We're going to have a really awesome DAO panel with DAO and human coordination panel with Awaki and, and several others. So we have all kinds of cool people coming. We try and just list people on the website, refisummit.org, about who's coming. And the first Refi Summit, like I've never organized an event twice in a row. We didn't sell a single ticket until like the month before. And the majority of the tickets, like the two weeks before, this time people have been buying tickets six months in advance. And I don't know what that means. So I think like the movement is taking on and in, in that it's got these great events at the main conferences. Refi Summit is different because it's standalone. <laughs> I want Seattle to have an Eat Denver scale event that's all climate and carbon governance. So just like to carve off the pieces that of Eat Denver that are all the social impact and for good and just try and, you know, maybe we could get to a point where we have a whole week of events and a lot of satellite events. I, I'd like to do that in Seattle. That's my end goal. Aside from just trying to organize a, a great event. Yeah, excellent. That's awesome. Really looking forward to that. I know, uh, I think you've, your event's kind of become a uh, a bookmark or a milestone in a lot of people's calendars for sure. I've been preparing a speech about Klima because I've just been watching Klima and like I'm like, here's my, if I was the chief marketing officer of Klima, here's what, here's what I would tell you guys. I'm like, okay, you had this groundbreaking impact in the carbon offset market and you've revolutionized an industry. It's like you're chasing after a car and then you caught the car. And now it's like 
everything's changed. We're out of COVID and you've had this big impact and you build this community. And uh, my personal experience, like, and this is building ecosystems with tens of thousands of companies, in-person marketing is 20 to 50 times more powerful than vir anything virtual. And I've seen that over and over again. It's like, I, I could talk to somebody on direct message for three months and then I ask them to do something in person and in like 10 minutes, they'll like agree to something that they would just ignoring me on DM and Telegram. It just doesn't work. People like with AI and all this, like it's just going to be spam. People are just going to ignore it all. So in-person matters more than ever. I think Klima should make a statement. I think you need a flagship summit. I think you need to own and lead your own ecosystem and your contributors. In my mind, there's different ways to grow a brand like Klima. And the first is obvious, like you just do more carbon, 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 carbon. And the, the next is you grow horizontally into adjacent areas that are kind of complementary. It's like, why does a Klima grow into these other real world assets like water and land and all this and like network states, like grow horizontally. Like you, like, I think there's so much low hanging fruit. And one final thought before I'm done being CMO of Klima, if you don't have in-person meetings, your company, your organization is going to fail. Like it's just reality. And it's like, I look at crypto and crypto thinks that none of the rules apply to it, but the rules do apply. You take an ecosystem like Cosmos and, and it's like, if those people don't meet, they're just not going to like each other. Like same for every, they're not going to collaborate. So same for any DAO, it doesn't matter. Like people are going to have to meet in person or it, the organization is not going to function in my opinion. So yeah, we're, we're relearning things that other people knew before us. So we, I think we should learn about that. <laughs> I know you're talking about, you know, lots of different things going on with community and governance and like what holds community together, this network state idea too. So I'm just curious, like if we, you know, abstract away blockchain, abstract away refi, like what are the other big trends that you're honed in on right now? You're talking about picking up these signals and reading the room on these qualitative insights. I'm definitely curious to pick your mind on, yeah, where you think things are going or what's uh, top of your mind. Over the last three presidential elections, the spending has doubled. It's probably going to be more this time, all the billions of dollars being spent on, you know, mobilizing communities and activists. And next year, people are going to be seeing politics all day long, every day, and it's going to have billions of dollars behind it. And the fighting is going to be worse than ever. And people are going to be thinking a lot about what they want politics to be. And I think a lot of people don't like these options. But this is the first time I think we've had different options because now, you know, I've been, I've got lists of hundreds of DAO tools. And then you've got ecosystems like Cosmos. And for me, it's fascinating because they've gone through over 106 different proposals. And I'm like, this is acting like a government. Like this is a group of people that didn't have any skills as a government, but now they have government skills. It's like a lot of people have DAO experience now and they have mature DAO operators, which we didn't have before. And I feel like this groundwork has been laid for when the explosion happens and it's coming, the political fighting to a degree you've never seen before, all that energy is going to flow into web three. And for the first time, people have a viable alternative to the stuff that has not been working forever. And everybody knows it's not working. So I think that this will cause massive investment and participation in these online communities and that will advance the state of DAO tooling and network states. The conversation around it will go way ahead. And if, if people are checking out of their countries now, uh, the more the fighting is, the more people will check out. They'll be like, yeah, I, I don't want to have any fixed location anymore. You know, 
I'm going to live in a van and there's already communities doing that. So I think we're going to see a 10 year surge, 10 year progress in, in one year of network states and DAOs and DAO tooling, you know, until the 2024 election. So this would be a great leap forward, I guess, in that, in that sense, a pretty big, uh, disruptive leap on that end. This question, I personally think you are the perfect person to ask 2033. What does it mean? So what it means, basically, it's uh, a question about where do you see something in 2033? And the question to you would be, where do you see refi in 10 years' time, in the year 2033? Oh, boy. I think that... I think there's so much noise happening all over the place that it's hard to... It's so easy to get confused. And then at some point, you have to, like, step back and just ignore... And, and like, I think after last year, like last year was just a train wreck for Web3 in particular. And by secondary effects, refi was badly impacted as well. Like I noticed a lot of the projects weren't doing as well this year, for sure. And then it's like you you had a few moments at the beginning of the year where you pick through the wreckage and you're like, well, what seems to be still true? So the thing that seems to be true is people really want to meet in person more than ever and they want to disconnect and be part of these, you know, conference communities and they to be mobile. The other thing that seems to be true is that I think human governance and new structures to mobilize talent and make decisions better are going to be needed. And I point to a project like Claros where they have methods for decentralized juries and decision making. And I'm like, well, this is revolutionary because it's like you look back the last 2000 years, the history of law and like the most important points are things like developing a jury system that can decide on issues from common citizens and things like Claros are like offering alternatives to that, uh, decentralized alternatives to legal systems, which are not seeming to function anymore, to be honest, in a lot of small cities and towns and nations, like a lot of the structures not seeming to function. I, I think refi is the cultural epicenter that attracts people automatically and they want to be around the refi energy and they want to be around people that are motivated to do positive things and have positive energy. So I think that's the almost, you know, one of the key deliverables. So I, I look at like the 1960s and things like Woodstock and like the hippie movement and you're like, well, there's some key enabling cultural things like the Vietnam War. And then there are key enabling technology things like you invented electric guitars. So now you can have a giant music festival. And it's like that coincided exactly with this desire to check out of the old system into some new system. Did the, did, did the, do the electric guitars and, and by extension the Web3 technologies? Is that the point of the hippie movement or is it an enabling factor of like the culture? Uh, so I think the, in 10 years, the refi culture will have had a very massive impact in the same way, like the 1960s, the hippie movement has had. And I think the electric guitars are this web three and tokenization and governance technologies, the satellite events. And I think the deliverables of refi, uh, we'll, we will see it in 10 years. It will if there are network states and things like that, it will start in refi or it will start in cosmos, in my opinion, like uh, these federated ecosystems where people have like, because uh, like citizenship is as an abstract concept is based on like fundamental human needs to belong and participate and contribute. 
and people have been shut off from citizenship for a very long time. You know, in the 1950s, I think everybody had a sense of citizenship. Now it's mostly gone, but people are rediscovering citizenship in different places. They're not calling it citizenship. They're just saying, I went to 60 crypto events. And I'm like, well, you're a citizen <laughs> of the crypto network state. So I think, um, I think the governance innovation will probably end up being the biggest deliverable of refi, in my opinion. I think that could be the number one thing in 10 years. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Building, building community, building a safe place for people to chat about refi and what we're building together. That's awesome to hear from you, Rex. Definitely really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. Can you remind folks where they can learn more about refi summit and where they can book their tickets if they want to get directly refisummit.org or just follow the refi summit Twitter handle. Like my co-organizer, Jeff works on that quite a bit. We put out our announcements there and buy your ticket. It's going to be May 24th and 25th in Seattle. So I'm looking forward to seeing everybody again. Perfect. I think that really put a ribbon on the conversation there. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks a lot. All right. Excellent. It was really great to connect and chat with Rex there, I thought anyways, just to learn about his background and, you know, his personal journey through his career and how we actually uh, built the Refi Summit last year and this second one coming right up. You know, just the power of what it's doing there. And I think he really honed or underscored multiple times in our conversation. Just, you know, people have been burnt out about, you know, meeting online and all this stuff. And he's really providing a great place in that community that's at the core of, of the movement. And he's really picked up on that signal of what's happening with the refi community here. So for you, Rick, man, what was like, uh, you know, one of your best uh, takeaways from that chat there with Rex? Definitely a wide ranging, good conversation. Personally, I think it was a very rewarding one. You really get to learn the insights of what Rex's mind is, like what he thinks, and the space is going to evolve and going to move going forward. And I think that's the, the key thing, right? To see how can we move towards that direction. And especially, we, we, know, we talk about this refined network state. And I think that's the key to success. We recently had a podcast uh, with the team from the core team in Klim, with uh, in Klim itself. And that really changed a lot of the dynamics that we work in. We, we are much more comfortable with each other. We know each other a lot better. And I think that's it's it might be the tipping point where we see the next evolution or the next fast jump in the refi space itself. Who knows? Yeah, yeah I really appreciate it. Like you're saying too, like Rex is very practical, pragmatic, or, you know, objective i guess too when he's picking up on these signals and these trends and so really really appreciated his thoughts his insights and even yeah his recommendations for what klima could be doing and what the refi community at large seems to be doing um yeah he definitely he yeah he cast his glance forward into the future and that's exactly with your question there around the 2033 so hope you enjoyed that conversation with rex thank you for tuning in as always, you can help this podcast reach even more climates by leaving a comment or a review on your favorite podcasting platform. For everything Klima, make sure you're hitting up klimadow.finance where you can find every POTK episode and, most importantly, leave your very own love letter to the planet and help us fight climate change. That's it from us. We look forward to connecting with you once again on the very next Planet of the Climates. <laughs>